Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, my name is Manesh Patel. I'm from Duke, and I'm excited to have you join us as we think about multidisciplinary care for our patients with venous thromboembolism. I'm joined by two friends and colleagues. It's going to be an exciting few minutes as we go through a lot of things. I have Elaine Heilich joining us from Boston. Elaine, thanks for joining me. Thank you. And Renata Lopez, who works both at Duke and in Brazil, but one of our DCRI colleagues and a researcher and clinician who takes care of a lot of these patients too. Renato, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Manash. So we, we uh, you know, these are common patients that we see with venous thromboembolism. And I guess, Elaine, the first thing, and we think about multidisciplinary approach is just, are there times when you think your patient who has a VTE needs more of a workup? Um, this is a very common question. You know, there are patients that have certain medical conditions. Are there times when you think, I need more of a workup, I might need to consult somebody else to help me with this? Well, you know, Manesh, I think the most important factor initially when you see the patient is, was this a provoked clot or was this not? And I think uh, that really drives care. So is there an oral contraceptive pill? Was there lengthy airplane travel? Was there prolonged immobility? Was there a recent hospitalization? Remember that many of the DBTs in the community occur within, you know, six weeks of a hospitalization. So I think all of those are really critically important uh, because then I know, am I going to be treating this patient for three months or am I going to have to, you know, get additional input from a hematologist about, you know, potentially almost lifelong uh, treatment for these patients, you know, inquire if there's a family history. Uh, regarding cancer, we're all worried about cancer, but there certainly have been studies that patients should be up to date on their cancer screening for that older population. You don't really go out and do, you know, CAT scans of, you know, everyone if there's a clot. The most important thing, and this has been shown in randomized trials, is that patients should be up to date on their cancer screening and that that would really be the best thing to do for these patients. A common question for us at BU is always, should we be doing this big hypercoagulability workup? And I think most of the experts and guidelines say that no, that's really not necessary. However, you might be thinking of doing that for, you know, women who are in that age group may have had miscarriages. I think you know, younger women probably warrant um, a workup for antiphospholipid syndrome. But, you know, remember that these clots increase with age, and age is a very powerful risk factor, as is family history. That's really helpful, Elaine. And Renato, you know, some of the times when we talk to hematology or pharmacy colleagues is when cancer is actually present and we have cancer-associated VTE. Uh, help me a little bit about, you know, the evidence or how should comfortable should we feel about patients who have cancer and using DOACs instead of warfarin and how long? Well, uh, that's a great question, Manash, because as you know, when we proved that DOACs really came across and streamlined the treatment for VTE, the key question that all the scientific community as physicians also were asking was, how about a prothrombotic status like cancer? Would, would DOACs really work in that scenario? And we didn't have a lot of data uh, about NOACs. Uh, we had a lot of uh, good data showing that in this particular setting, the standard of care is low warfarin. The standard of care is actually low molecular weight heparin. 
And so we needed really to have some data and some trials uh, done comparing DOAX with low molecular weight heparin. And we've done those trials. And basically, I think that if we could summarize, we don't have a lot of time to go over the details, is that, yes, DOAX are at least as effective, um, uh, particularly some of the DOAX. Not all of them were tested. So we had data with bivaroxaban, we had data with uh, edoxaban, and we had data with apixaban. Um, that those agents, the factor 10 inhibitors, are at least as effective uh, as low molecular weight heparin, if not more, uh, in preventing recurring VT in the cancer setting. There was one drop, drawback, which was uh, an increase in GI bleeding uh, compared to low molecular weight heparin that we've seen mainly with Riva and with Edoxaban. This was not seen in the Carvajal trial with Apixaban, which is very consistent what we've seen also with apixaban in the AFib scenario, not increasing the risk of GI bleeding. But in, in, in summary, uh, I think the good news is that yes, we feel comfortable now in using DOAX for treating patients with VTE uh, that are associated with cancer. And we need to be careful about bleeding because depending on the DOAX that you're going to use and depending on the type of, of, of cancer, particularly GI tract, uh, we might consider using uh, long molecular weight heparin since uh, we had less GIBD overall comparing to NOAX as a class. Thanks, Renato. That's really helpful because what we've learned, at least Elaine highlighted, we don't have to do a lot of workup in many of these patients. Maybe some of the younger ones or the ones that are sort of hanging out or let's say have markers of underlying other issues. Hematology might help us or we might think about it. For our cancer patients, as you've just highlighted, there's great evidence we should feel comfortable. Elaine, maybe I'll come to you for the final question about some of our multidisciplinary. So we've talked about general medicine, cardiologists, hematologists, but how about pharmacy colleagues and our nurse practitioners? Many of them help us take care of a lot of our patients with anticoagulation. Uh, how do you engage with your pharmacy colleagues at, at BU, or how do you think about how you use them uh, to work with uh, OAC patients? So, I mean, when you think about the the transition from that initial period of pixaban. Um, twice a day and the rivaroxaban dosing twice a day that has to switch at 21 days and the apixaban dose that you use through seven days, it's critical to have some type of a pathway. Uh, we very much engage our pharmacy colleagues. Um, any patient that is certainly on the inpatient setting, we make sure that the patients understand that they need to do this dose switch on day eight or day 22. Blister packs often are used to make sure that there's absolutely no way that the patient might might take the incorrect dose. But a multidisciplinary team, I think, is critical to make sure the insurance coverage is in place to, and to make sure that um, everyone is on the same page, uh, including the patient and the family and the nurses. So we're, we very much, very much endorse a multidisciplinary team. Yeah, well, Manesh, and, and just yeah. to add, Manesh, sorry for that, but just to add, uh, I think Elaine touched in a very important point about the dosing of the treatment for VTE is not the, necessarily the dose that we use for atrial fibrillation, which is uh, the standard dose that we are very familiar with. Uh, there are different schemes. There are different initial phase, one week, three weeks for different uh, doses uh, and different DOACs. There are also the need for use at least for a certain period of time uh, 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 apparatural heparin for some of the DOACs like edoxaban and dabigatran uh, with rivaroxaban and apixaban we don't need this initial phase with parenteral heparin so there are differences and 
uh, uh, between the the way we we give these drugs, the dose that we give, and in a way that having this effort being coordinated, I think is very important. Yeah, thanks. I think both of you have kind of hit the nail on the head. It takes a team, and the team has to be brought from disease specific, but then also getting the therapy, getting the right dose, and making sure the patient gets it. So thank you both for joining me on this uh, conversation around the multidisciplinary approach to it, working up and managing our VTE patients. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME, LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.